It's time now for the complete story with Rich Bot, a public news and information feature of Bot Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now, here is Rich Bot with today's complete story. Hello, everybody. I'm so glad to be back with you again, uh, sitting in for my dad as his voice continues to heal. And thank you for your continuing prayers. We're hopeful that uh, the voice of his will continue to get stronger and uh, be able to return back to the broadcast here. Uh, You'll enjoy hearing from him. He still has an awful lot he'd like to say. Thank you for praying. Uh, And by the way, my mom and dad celebrated their 66th wedding anniversary this past Thursday, uh, June 21st, which is summer solstice, the longest day of the year. It's the beginning of summer. That's when my mom and dad got married back in 1952. So this is their 66th wedding anniversary. Happy anniversary, mom and dad. If you'd like to call, um, this would be a great time and wish him a happy anniversary as well. Uh, You can call our listener comment line 1-800-345-2621. I wish my mom and dad a happy 66th wedding anniversary and also let my dad know that you're praying for his voice and looking forward to him coming back on the radio. Or if you have anything else you'd like to say about Bot Radio Network or programming, how we can serve you better, uh, that listener comment line is 1-800-345-2621. Well, uh, as I mentioned before, uh, two weeks ago now, I was able to attend the Harvest America Crusade with great glory, where thousands and thousands of people came forward to accept Jesus as their Savior. And we broadcast that live over Bot Radio Network uh, two weeks ago, Sunday night. And then uh, I stayed for the Southern Baptist Convention, which was also in Dallas. And that, of course, is the largest Protestant denomination in the country. Some 15,000 people were there. And so it was quite a large gathering uh, and an important gathering. Uh, One of the things that happened was that Vice President Pence addressed the entire group, and it was just tremendous. And I want you to hear this for yourself, because the thing is, most of the secular media just pretty much ignored it, or if they did, they panned it, or they made it out to some kind of controversy, but I want you to be able to hear it for yourself. And you'll hear the overwhelming response and the multiple standing ovations from the crowd there at the Southern Baptist Convention. You know, folks, it wasn't about politics, it was about truth, and it was about his record and the president's record in in standing for some wonderful things that we all believe in, Uh, some of the accomplishments that he was able to accomplish for the family and for the church and for religious liberty and for the cause of life, judicial appointments, uh, starting with Judge Gorsuch to the Supreme Court. And then he moved the embassy to Jerusalem. So many presidents have promised to do that, but then failed to. Uh, Donald Trump also promised to do that, but he did it. And then uh, you'll hear Vice President Pence talk about the international diplomacy that was taking place right then with North Korea and a meeting with the dictator of North Korea and the progress that's being made on denuclearization of that peninsula and, of course, the, the corresponding threat that that presents to America. Some of the most precious parts of this speech you're going to hear is he talks about his personal walk with the Lord, and he urges people to pray for America. Uh, We're just so blessed to have somebody as the vice president of the United States that walks so closely with the Lord and has such familiarity with his word. And so I just wanted to tell you a little bit about what I saw at the Southern Baptist Convention in Dallas at the Dallas Convention Center uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Here he is, Vice President 
uh, Mike Pence having been introduced by then the president of the Southern Baptist Convention, Steve Gaines, who is also the pastor of Bellevue Baptist Church there in Memphis. Here it is. Thank you, Dr. Gaines. Thank you for that kind introduction. The introduction I prefer is a little bit shorter. I'm a Christian, a conservative, and a Republican in that order. It is deeply humbling to be here today to address the 161st session of the Southern Baptist Convention. And let me begin by bringing greetings from a good friend of mine who just got back to the White House this morning, a leader who I can tell you has been delivering every day on his promise to protect faith and restore freedom across this country. I bring greetings from the 45th President of the United States of America, President Donald Trump. You know, it really is an honor to be here at the Southern Baptist Convention. It's remarkable to think that what began more than 170 years ago in First Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia, has now become one of the greatest forces for good anywhere in America. You know, the President likes to say, in his words, that we're a nation of faith. And the leaders gathered here at this convention, and the congregations that you represent, make that true every single day. You are more than 47,000 churches minister to more than 15 million people and millions more beyond your walls. You can be found in all 50 states, in communities of every size, and at this very hour you're planting churches and planting seeds of faith in countless hearts in America and to the very ends of the earth. The Southern Baptist Convention has always strived to reach the world for Christ, and so you have throughout the decades. And I believe with all my heart that your faith has moved mountains and your witness changes lives every day. And I know what I'm talking about. You know, I was raised in a church home. It was grace before dinner and church on Sunday morning. But 40 years ago this spring, I heard the very message that Southern Baptists speak so faithfully across this nation every day. I heard it fresh in my ears as though it had been for the very first time that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever might believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And I walked the sawdust trail that night in 1978 and gave my life to Jesus Christ. And it's made all the difference. So thank you for carrying that timeless message every day with such faithfulness to the American people. It's the greatest privilege of my life to serve as vice president to a president who's working every day to renew the greatness of this country. When you look at the progress we've made over the last 500 days at home and abroad, the stronger America, a stronger economy, a stronger commitment to the God-given liberties enshrined in our Constitution, I think there's only one way you can sum up this administration. It's been 500 days of action, 500 days of accomplishment. It's been 500 days of promises made and promises kept. I mean, think about it. Think about it. From the very beginning of this administration, we've been rebuilding our military, restoring the arsenal of democracy. And as the proud father of a United States Marine, 
I couldn't tell you how grateful I am that with the support of this Congress, we are once again giving our soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines, and Coast Guard the resources and training they need to accomplish their mission and come home safe. We've been standing with the courageous men and women of law enforcement. We've been securing our borders, enforcing our laws, and removing dangerous criminals, drug dealers, and gang members off our streets in record numbers. And once again, we have a President of the United States who stands without apology as leader of the free world. We certainly saw that in high relief over the last several days, didn't we? Just this morning, the President returned from a historic summit with Kim Jong-un of North Korea. The President went to this meeting as, in his words, on a mission of peace, but with eyes wide open. And I can report the meeting that took place was direct and honest, provocative and productive. It resulted in a bold first step where North Korea's leader committed to the complete denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula. And among the agreements reached, very deeply meaningful to me as the son of a combat veteran from the Korean War, President Trump secured a commitment from North Korea to recover and repatriate the remains of more than 5,000 American MIAs who fell in the Korean War. We are finally going to bring our boys home. Now comes vigorous negotiations to implement the agreement, as the President said, as soon as possible. But make no mistake about it. The success of this summit and the progress that we've made is a direct result of President Trump's steadfast leadership and the courage of one American family. From the outset of our administration, President Trump changed our policy toward North Korea, ending years of what was known as strategic patience. The President brought unprecedented economic and diplomatic sanctions to bear on North Korea. And he used the kind of tough rhetoric in South Korea and at the United Nations that communicated America's resolve to protect our country and stand with our allies. The President would also today, though, want me to give credit to the family of Otto Warmbier. As the President said last week in the Rose Garden, Otto was a brilliant, beautiful young man. And in the words of his family's tradition, may his memory be a blessing. Otto's loss was a tragedy that grieved the heart of this nation, but the courage of his parents in the wake of that loss helped bring us to this milestone. And as the President said, Otto did not die in vain. As we reflect on this moment, it is important to remember that our President has already accomplished much when it comes to North Korea. North Korea hasn't fired a missile test in seven months. Historic inter-Korean peace summits have occurred, and three American hostages came home. I'll never forget that night. Karen and I joined the President and the First Lady on the tarmac at Andrews Air Force Base to welcome home these three extraordinary Americans who'd been held hostage in North Korea. But what happened that night 
I really didn't expect. It happened to the President, too, and it happened to the Secretary of State. These three men, one of whom had been in captivity for nearly two years, as they came down off the stairs, one of them pulled out of his pocket a small index card written on the front and on the back. They grabbed my hand vigorously, and they thanked me for my prayers. On the front of the card, it read, Dear Mr. Vice President, we praise the Lord who has done great things for America and for us. We deeply appreciate your prayers and the U.S. government bringing us home. God bless great America. And then I flipped over the card and looked on the back, and they had transcribed a portion of Psalm 126. When the Lord brought back the captives to Zion, we were like men who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, and our tongues with songs of joy. It's a moment I'll never forget. The card they gave to the president read about the same. Men and women of the Southern Baptist Convention, I can tell you we have a lot of work ahead of us. It will be an arduous process requiring American resolve, resolve and courage. As the president said before he left Singapore, in his words, anyone can make war. It takes courage to make peace. But it hasn't just been progress on the Korean Peninsula. President Trump has been putting America first and standing strong for America's interests all over the world. This president promised to take the fight to radical Islamic terrorism on our terms on their soil. And I'm pleased to report that thanks to the courage of our armed forces and the leadership of this commander-in-chief, ISIS is on the run. Their caliphate has crumbled, and we will soon drive the evil of ISIS from the face of the earth. This president has also stood up to the leading state sponsor of terrorism around the world when he withdrew the United States from the disastrous Iran nuclear deal. And unlike his predecessors, this president kept his word to the American people and to our most cherished ally when, just a little more than a month ago, we opened the United States Embassy in Jerusalem, the capital of the State of Israel. And from the first day of this administration, President Trump has also taken dramatic action to revive the great engine of the American economy. We've cut red tape, unleashed American energy, and President Donald Trump kept his word to the American people one more time when, right before Christmas, he signed the largest tax cuts and tax reform in American history. You know, I don't know if you've noticed, but the results have been remarkable. And since the President and I were elected, businesses large and small have already created more than 3.4 million new jobs. The unemployment rate hasn't been lower in nearly 50 years, and we've seen the lowest unemployment rates ever for Hispanic Americans and African Americans, and unemployment for women in America hasn't been this low in 65 years.
years. As I stand before you today, I say with confidence, jobs are back. Confidence is back, and under President Donald Trump, America is back, and we're just getting started. So we're restoring American strength at home and abroad. But in this White House, I want to assure you, we know that America's strength ultimately comes from the foundation of our most cherished values in this country and from early in this administration. I'm proud to report that President Donald Trump has stood with people of faith and for our most precious freedoms every single day. Last year, the President chose the National Day of Prayer to announce new policies to protect religious liberty of every American, regardless of their creed. And because the President and I believe that the freedom of speech should not end at the threshold of our churches and places of worship, this President has taken action to end enforcement of the Johnson Amendment, and we will not rest until it is repealed off the laws of this country once and for all. To protect the God-given rights enshrined in our Constitution, this President's been busy appointing strong conservatives to our federal courts at every level. In fact, last year, we set a record with the strong support of the leadership of the Senate. We sent a record for confirming the most judges to the federal courts of appeals than any President in American history. And that doesn't even count Justice Neil Gorsuch on the Supreme Court of the United States. And like all of you, the President and I have been deeply moved by the suffering of Christians and persecuted religious minorities across the wider world, especially in the Middle East, where we've literally seen the largest exodus of believers since the days of Moses. Last year, at the President's direction, I announced that the United States would stop funding ineffective relief efforts at the UN, and for the first time, America is providing support directly to non-governmental organizations working with Christian and persecuted communities in the Middle East. Now, we've made progress in recent months. Across our administration, we've already devoted more than $110 million to this effort, but there's still more work to do. And USAID is working the issue as we speak. Mark Green of USAID will be traveling, be traveling to Iraq in just a few days to see to it himself. But I want to make a promise to each and every one of you. We will not rest until we give our fellow Christians and persecuted communities across the Middle East the resources and support they need to recover, rebuild, and flourish in their ancient homeland once again. Finally, I couldn't be more proud to stand with a president who stands without apology for the sanctity of human life. <laughs> president Donald Trump is the most pro-life president in American history. I mean, think about it. 
One of his very first acts in office, our president reinstated the Mexico City policy, denying any federal aid dollars to organizations that promote or perform abortions around the world. We withdrew the United States from the UN Population Fund in order to prevent our tax dollars from supporting forced sterilization or abortion overseas. In fact, we empowered states to defund abortion providers, and it was my honor as vice president to cast the tie-breaking vote to allow states across America to defund Planned Parenthood. And just a few days ago, the President took action to ensure that Title X funding will not go to any programs that provide abortions. This progress, men and women, on security and prosperity and our most cherished values, is the result of the support of men and women like so many of you who supported our President not just in 2016, but every day since. It comes from conservative majorities in the Congress of the United States who supported this President's agenda every step of the way. And it comes from the President himself and our administration who cherish people of faith. You know, I've witnessed the deep respect that our President has for this nation of faith, as he calls it. This is a President who knows that what you do and the ministries of your churches make an extraordinary difference in the life of our nation. We know that what you confess with your lips is the conviction of your hearts. We never doubt it because we see it. We respect how you care for the most vulnerable, how you, you come alongside those in need each and every day with compassion and encouragement. As President and I have traveled around the country, we've seen it. We've seen that when disaster strikes, it's faith communities just like yours that are often there almost immediately with the first responders with an outstretched hand to bind up the brokenhearted, to heal the sick. And this president and I know that you're the cornerstone, not just of your communities, but in so many ways of our country. The Bible tells us if the foundations crumble, how can the righteous stand? Well, you and your ministries strengthen the foundation of character in our nation every day. And so today, on behalf of the president, I want to say thank you. Thank you to the Southern Baptist Convention for the essential and irreplaceable role you play in America. And I'll make you a promise. This president, this vice president, and our administration will always stand with you. Today, Today, we only ask the men and women of this convention to continue in your calling with renewed energy. And as I close, let me, let me just urge each one of you to continue to do what each one of you do every day. Preach the word in season and out of season. Always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have. Keep changing lives. And let me respectfully encourage you to do one more thing. As the late and great Reverend Billy Graham reminded us years ago, in his words, to get nations back on their feet, we must first get on our knees. So I urge you, in these challenging times of threats abroad and too much division at home, let's pray for America.
for all the people of America and all who serve her at home and abroad. And on this one, I want to be clear, I'm, I'm not talking about praying for an agenda or for a cause. I rather like what President Lincoln said in his time when he was asked if he thought God was on the side of the Union Army. Our 16th president simply replied, my, my concern is not whether God is on our side. My greatest concern is to be on God's side. So let's pray for America, for America matters, far beyond our shores. And when you pray, pray with confidence. I'll always believe those ancient words recorded millennia ago that Americans have clung to in much more challenging times than we face today are still every bit as true today. That if his people who are called by his name will humble themselves and pray, He'll do like he's always done through the long and storied history of this country. He'll hear from heaven. He'll heal this land, this one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. So thank you again for the honor to speak today. It's a joy to be with you all. I know that with your support and prayers, with the strong support of leaders at every level of government, with President Donald Trump in the White House and with God's help, we will make America safe again. We will make America prosperous again. And to borrow a phrase, we will make America great again. Thank you very much. Thank you for the honor of being with you today. God bless you and God bless the United States of America. And this is Rich Bott back with you in the studio. Wasn't that powerful to hear Vice President Mike Pence as he as he shared his personal testimony and and the list of accomplishments that have taken place so far and urged us to pray for America. And of course, you heard the overwhelming audience response by the 15,000 people, Southern Baptist leaders that were packed into the Dallas Convention Center there just two weeks ago. Well, folks, that's all the time we have for today's Complete Story program. Well, folks, I want you to call the listener comment line if you can, 1-800-345-2621. Wish my mom and dad a happy 66th wedding anniversary. What a remarkable anniversary that is. We'd especially like to hear from some of our listeners from our newest stations in Jackson, Wyoming, Rapid City, South Dakota, Keokuk, Iowa, Hannibal, Missouri, Fort Smith, Arkansas, Jonesboro, Arkansas, and Sonora, California. This is Rich Bott. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.